Hi, everyone, and a very warm welcome to the Siemens Mobility Podcast, Moving Beyond. I'm your host, Professor Sally Eaves, and in today's episode, we're discussing Mega Project Egypt. And I really believe it's a truly iconic project of its time that will change the infrastructure of Egypt as we know it today and create shared value at scale too. So we'll be exploring just how new railway affects the whole country, its people, and also business and societal impact at the same time. All the technologies that come into play in doing this, the power of partnership and all the details of the how, the reality of making a project of this scale, scalable and sustainable, a reality at the same time. We're talking about all these key details today. So to do this, without further ado, I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Akaldi, who is Head of Customer Service, Middle East and Africa for Siemens Mobility. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. Happy to be here, Sally. Likewise, thank you. And a huge warm welcome to Asama Bishai, who is CEO of Oriscom Construction. Welcome, Asama. Thank you, Sally. Thank you. It's great you can join us today. And I'd love to get started by getting a bit more personal, a take from both of you about what this project really means to you. So perhaps, Asama, I could turn that over to you first. Oriscom is a major player in the Egyptian market. And uh, we proud ourselves to be involved in uh, projects that really uh, affect and changes uh, the lives of the Egyptians and improves the quality of the infrastructure in Egypt. We believe that that particular project, the high-speed rail, is, is a transformational project because it creates a different plateau for the uh, transit of the population from uh, east to west, from north to south. So, so basically, this project has no equal in the country, and I don't see a project that has the same impact on the, on the people when it's complete. It will create a demand that is not even there today. I mean, what, we, what you call in business suppressed demand. I think this will create a great opportunity for the mobility of individuals, their ability to move from different places. And also, I think it will have a great impact on the commerce between the different parts of, of Egypt. So from a professional point of view and a personal point of view, I mean, we are very proud to be part of that project that will have a very, very long term impact on, on Egypt. Beautifully put there, Salma. I love that kind of project. I think it's really one without peer of its time. And Sarah, I'd love to hear from you as well, our leading woman in tech. What's your take and your personal view on this new project? Yeah, well, first, I completely agree with Osama. Um, I see it going in the same direction. And for me personally, this project ideally combines two things very dear to my heart. So my work and my home country. Ever since my work brought me to Germany, I was always trying to maintain somehow the link to Egypt and the Egyptian market. So, um, of course, it fills me with great joy and pride to play a significant role in this project. And more so because of how I've seen the country undergoing such an immense development in the last years and also an overall infrastructure transformation. During the last years, the government in Egypt has launched several investment and infrastructure mega projects. And they were all designed to jumpstart the economy. And with this project, it is possible to provide safe, reliable and sustainable mobility solutions to connect all these development hotspots, which is crucial for its success and also, as Osama mentioned, for boosting the, the country's development. 
And lastly, for me on a private note, to be honest, um, it means for me getting the chance to further discover beautiful Egypt, as I have always wanted before, and especially now during my sometimes short visits to Egypt. I love that. I love that point about rediscovery and everything as well. I think that's fantastic. And what a combination of personal and professional right there. That's a brilliant take from both of you. So maybe let's start from the beginning and look at how a new railway exactly affects the country and the developmental impact it means for the people. We've seen this in other examples in the past year. You know, 200 years ago in Germany, what that led to, for example. I'd love to put that kind of perspective now for 2021 with the example of Egypt. Perhaps first to Azama, what does this mean? for Egypt and for the economy? For the economy, this will facilitate business movement from different locations in the country. I would like maybe to, to take some comparison with Europe. One of the things that, uh, that is making Europe what it is, is, is really the rail network. Basically, anybody in Europe could travel from point A to point B with very efficient uh, rail network. You have also freight transportation. Even students could discover Europe uh, through a, a rail network. I think this will have the same impact. I mean, Egypt, unfortunately, it's kind of divided into different areas due to the fact that uh, there is inefficient transportation links so far. And I think that the high speed would, uh, would change that completely by allowing everybody to be able to move efficiently in a very uh, short period of time from uh, different points and would allow people to move their business or their commerce or to add new customers in different locations. And, and I think it will have the same impact what an efficient rail network had on Europe. It will be uh, on Egypt. Sarah, I'd love to see your take on this one. In effect, I think this new uh, high-speed project would simply change the environment. It changes the way people work, with the example of relocation of work, as Osama mentioned. And essentially, it then changes the way people live as well. I mean, Egypt has a very growing population and thus also a growing economy as well. And that, in effect, will also attract more traffic. And by building this high-efficiency rail system for the country, we simply support the Egyptian people with the affordable, clean and reliable transportation that they need. The country's first high-speed line will also make an important contribution to the overall transformation of the transport system in Egypt because it would be the first number of huge kilometers of electrified passenger and freight traffic. And um, if we go a little bit back also in the history, as you said, Sally, then um, for Egypt, we had the second oldest rail network in the world and the first one in the Arab world. And with this project, we will be also transforming it into a modern, efficient and safe high-speed rail. And with also the freight transport that's with it, we would also be supporting Egypt in re-establishing it as a regional transportation hub. We could also be opening the doors for commuting to and fro with the neighboring countries as well. And um, what I would conclude with is how it also now has won the name of Suez Canal on, on rails because of simply the connection between the Red Sea and the Mediterranean and also how it facilitates the commute of both passenger and freight. And this also would have a huge positive impact on the economic growth and also the quality of life of the Egyptians. 
So a great example. I love that phrase, by the way. I think it's a great example, too, of being that right hub, of multi-level impact, whether it's around the economy more broadly, but specifically aspects like tourism, as you mentioned, education, but also jobs as well. And Asama, I'd love to know a little bit more about the jobs that will be created by implementing this project directly. The high-speed rail, since it's a new infrastructure, so basically it will add new jobs. I mean, we're not really moving jobs from one area to the other. So during the construction, I would say that there will be thousands and thousands of Egyptians working on that due to the fact that there is some other scope that is done by the Ministry of Transport themselves, which is basically the civil works. So there will be jobs created there. I would imagine at least on every single line, there will be a few thousands there uh, on each uh, project for the civil works. As far as our work is concerned, which is basically the rail and the installations of the systems with Siemens, we will probably be seeing between two to 3,000 workers and engineers working there, give or take, depending on which part of the project life. And that will probably go on for maybe somewhere between four to six years if you're looking at the entire program as, at, at once. In addition to that, because due to the fact that we have a 15 years uh, maintenance contract, there will be a, a number of permanent employees for a 15 years, which is technically a lifetime. These guys are permanently hired to do the maintenance stuff. What I think is more significant than creating the jobs is you, there will be expertise in the high-speed rail space that will be created in this part of the world. I love that in terms of new job creation, but also that expertise, specialism in this area and the export opportunity around talent that can bring as well. Thank you, Osama. I'd love to kind of bring us into another area now as well. One very close to heart, I have to say that straight up front, that's all about sustainability. I'd love to explore that aspect, the ESG impact that this project will bring as well around energy in particular. So Sarah, I'd love to pass it over to you to explore those benefits that we're going to see. Yes, of course, Sally. I mean, uh, transportation is a big contributor to global emissions of greenhouse gases. So um, it goes without saying that this is a very relevant topic to sustainability, as you mentioned. And transitioning from car to rail is critical for the environment and even more electrified rail, simply as one of the most sustainable modes of transport. And in case of the Egypt Rail project, the fully electrified system will actually reduce the primary energy consumption and air pollution by cutting carbon dioxide emissions by 70%. That is in comparison to the current car and bus transport emissions. If you, for instance, take a look at freight transport, the carbon dioxide emissions will even decrease by 85%. So, as you can imagine, it is quite vital for a populous country like Egypt, with, it, with its highly congested cities like Cairo, um, to address the environment and to address the topic of sustainability. And this will inevitably lead to an improved quality of life for the Egyptian people and a more protected environment. 
Absolutely. I think it's the embodiment of creating shared value there, isn't it? Across all these different benefit types and how one can impact on another. I think that's a lovely example of that. And you mentioned there about some of the technologies under the surface around electrification, for example. I mean, that brings me nicely on another area to focus on, which is the technologies that are coming into play to make this a reality. We've had big mobility topics across the 21st century, particularly around digitalization, electrification. There's also been an issue in emerging countries, for example, around tech systems being still equipped with maybe 20th century technology. These global climate goals can only be achieved if we've got this strict emission criteria that is across the board, right across the world. It's kind of drawing into that at the moment. I'd love to come back to you, Sarah, to look at this. How has the system really fulfilled all of the aspects that are needed around European standards? I think it's such an important area. It completely complies, Sally. The railway system will be state-of-the-art. It is based on the latest technology and unproven products. So, for example, the signaling system to be delivered will meet the highest safety standards and requirements. Essentially, with the way it is delivered and operated, it could be located in any country in Europe. And in addition to this, we will be also supplying innovative products like the digital station and power manager and also innovative depot. Super, that's great to hear. And thinking on this in a bit more detail now, I'd love to hear more about the specific technologies that Siemens Mobility is supplying to support all of this. Yes, sure. So the rail network is to accommodate for three modalities. One is the high-speed operations, which is to connect capitals and larger urbanization development cities. And for that, Siemens Mobility will supply its Velaro high-speed trains. For the second modality, we have high-capacity commuting regional trains. These are supposed to be stopping more frequently and also allowing for higher passenger flow. And that's why Siemens will be utilizing the zero high-capacity, which is a double-deck regional train. And third, during off-time where there will be freight operations, the Vectron locomotives will be used. And that's with regards to the rolling stock. Furthermore, the European train control system, the ETCS level two, will be installed as a safe and reliable signaling system. And it is based also on the new computer controlled interlocking technology. In addition to all this, Siemens Mobility will also be taking care of the railway power system, which permanently ensures an efficient energy supply and as well state of the art communication and safety systems, as well as the ticketing as well. And all of these systems will also be covered by the 15 years of maintenance services that Osama mentioned before. And this is quite critical because this is to ensure that the rail systems achieves a high availability and that this overall investment is secured. And lastly, um, Siemens Mobility together with the consortium will integrate all of these subsystems together in an overall turnkey project. Fantastic. That was a great deep dive. Thank you. And I also saw about the paperless depots as well. So again, increasing that sustainability impact as well. A fantastic range of impacts here. Brilliant. Asama, I'd love to bring back to you now to find out more about your contribution to this project as well. The power of partnership to the fore, I would say. Number one, we are the local partners. So obviously we give the consortium a lot of advice and guidance regarding local relationships and local conditions. Plus the fact that we are in charge of the uh, workmanship for the installation of the catenaries, the steel structures, plus the fact that we are supplying and installing the track itself. I mean, we have been one of the largest track 
contractors in the region uh, probably over the last maybe more than 35 years. So uh, this is right down our uh, expertise. Obviously, we are uh, quite excited to get to uh, know the knowledge of working on a high-speed rail because I think that's the future. And actually, we are also very excited that we are working on a project that has an environmental impact on Egypt uh, for the long term. That's wonderful. I think trust, one of the most important things of our time that's really coming across with the nature of your relationship there. It's fantastic to see, and excuse the pun here, so sorry in advance, but the timetable, obviously the transport's objective of our theme today, but I'd love to know more about the timetable ahead, the milestones over the next five years or so. This project is on a fast track. Work on the infrastructure is already underway and the first train will be delivered in autumn 2023, while the last in summer 2026. So as you can imagine, it is a great challenge for the technicians and developers, especially because of the sand, for example. They have to modify uh, the air conditioning and propulsion technology of locomotives, power cars and wagons. And in 2027, the 660 kilometers from Eina Sokna on the Red Sea to Marsa Machur and Alexandria on the Mediterranean Sea are to be completed. So I can assure you that the project team is already heavily working on the deliverables. Faster. I love that fantastic example. Thank you, Sarah. And I'd love to ask you, Asama, as well, a little bit more about some of the employee aspects of this. We've heard talk around 15,000 direct jobs being created in Egypt. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how Siemens and consortium partners can be getting these employees. And what's the training and education aspect that's involved in all of this? I think this is one of our biggest challenges on, on this project because it's not only a matter of engaging or hiring bodies, it is also a matter of uh, getting the right people and also doing the right uh, training and go through the proper learning curve. So basically, I think there's a lot of work that we have to do together, uh, Siemens and ourselves, in that regard, we are also trying to start uh, engaging uh, our people and that we have, let's say, the proper core team. But obviously, in order to have this long term staff and uh, working for these periods of time, I mean, we need to uh, start hiring uh, some of the individuals that are working in this business, uh, not necessarily in Egypt, but Egyptians that are working in the region. But again, I think what we're what we will be focusing on is is proper training for the individuals because I think that we will not be able to find enough people in the market uh, to satisfy the needs for this project. So, really, the challenge is uh, training and qualifying the team to be able to do the job. That's a really interesting point there. There are all these skills gaps in many industries, but what I think really attracts me about this area as well is the inspiration it can create for more people to get into the sector. And I've spoken to Sarah previously about STEAM learning and getting more you know, people from a diverse experience of backgrounds into the sector. So I'm excited to see how that goes as well. So thank you both for sharing about that. I'd love now to turn to another area. I'd love to explore the realisation of a project of this scale, particularly with the short timescales we've seen for delivery here. So with this context, I'd love to hear perhaps from Sarah first about the advantage of this kind of USP around Siemens mobility compared to the competition in making this all a reality. I believe that this has uh, three main reasons. First, the presence in the Egyptian market. 
Siemens Mobility has been one of the leading companies in the Egyptian transport market since 1960s, and it is already involved in the modernization of the rail infrastructure since then. And the second, like you mentioned, for such a huge turnkey project, it is best to have a single source, a competent single source. And Siemens Mobility doesn't just put a rail system into place and then pull out. Rather, it offers a full service package, an integrated rail system, and all from the single source. And this ranges from the development with the design and project management installation to also the commissioning and training and maintenance services as well. So it's simply helpful that we have all these in-house rail system deep insights on all of these different subsystems. And third, which is also very important, the trust and communication um, that Siemens Mobility is now together with the partner maintaining with the customer or with Egypt. And to sum all of these three together, I believe that the digital leadership that we have for comprehensive turnkey services will simply bring in an integrated and state-of-the-art high-speed rail system. And this brings us back to what we discussed before. This is essential for providing a technology boost for the country and also creating local jobs. I couldn't agree more. You're absolutely right there around those digital leadership aspects and the three pillars I think you really brought to life. Fantastic. Thank you. And Asama, I'd love to take that question to you as well to really bring to the fore the main advantages at Oriscom and what you're delivering for this project. We were, as I mentioned, we are the largest railway contractor uh, since more than 30 years. I think there is an additional angle that we bring as Orascom. We are probably, the way we, we call ourselves, we are an international local contractor. We're not only a simple local contractor, we understand the international ways of doing business that makes the relationship between Siemens and Orascom because they see a, a partner that not only understands the local scene, but also understands the way that business is, is managed elsewhere. That project has uh, an aspect of bringing funding to the Egyptian government through export credit. So again, the ability to work on the bankability and the documentation of that needs both Siemens and Oroscom ability to do this. So Sally, allow me to build on what Osama said. I really like the local international statement that he made. And because this is, this is something that was very important for us throughout the project, it was very helpful to have a major player like Oroscom, who's very present in all of the major projects that are happening in the Egyptian scene lately, as well as all the transportation projects. And at the same time, having the outreach and the understanding of collaborating also with a global company. So I can only confirm that um, these advantages of Oroscom were very helpful also for the project that we have right here at hand. Absolutely. I was going to ask about that local global combination. You both covered that so naturally. I think that really brought to the fore. So maybe one final follow-up, Sarah. Have you found any differences that works better in other parts of the world, for example, but doesn't work so well in the Egypt context compared to other work you've done before? Just to bring that final footprint to the fore, looking at your global perspective. At the top of my mind, I think one of the important things or one of the things that work very well, well in Egypt is speed. Um, you, you can simply say, I've heard this also before, that Egypt is a country in a hurry or to speak, um, a country that's, that's working 
hard to cope with the economical and also the population growth that it has. So I believe it was of the essence to uh, react and act in a speedy manner and to work closely with our partners and the customer in the country to develop further solutions that best cater for the needs in the country. So I believe speed was very important and is very important and also relationship. Um, so again, this applies both for the partners and also the customer. And um, this makes a big difference rather than just having a question and an answer to it in a project or as a tender and a bid to it, but rather an open discussion and a collaboration that helps co-create the best solutions for the country and for its people. I think such a key word you mentioned there, co-creation, could not agree more strongly. It really comes to the fore throughout both of your comments. I think at this point, as we come to the end of our discussion today, I'd love to bring in a question from the influencer or thought leader community. So I'm going to pass this one across now to both of you, if that's okay. Hello, Sally. I am Cyril Coste. I was wondering, you know, what are the important factors to consider when it comes to the maintenance of such a mega project like this one? And secondly, how can you make such a project future-proof? Thank you. The first aspect in that is, is the human aspect. And I go back again to the training and the upgrading of the skills. In order for us to have a running system to the standard that we would like it to be, I think it has to, we have to have the right human resources to do that. And they have to have the discipline to make sure that the system is, is running every single day with the same fashion uh, like the first day. So th this is probably the main thing that we have to worry about and we have to work on, on that. We'll probably be creating this human resources capability uh, during the construction work itself because probably the best people to maintain that are the people who are going to install that these systems. And uh, the second thing is that like any big project, uh, these projects have to have a sponsor or a person from the top management dedicated into overseeing that this is a success, whether on the construction side or on the maintenance side. For us, maintenance is always revolving around the availability and the reliability of the systems. Most of our customers, whether in, in my region or also worldwide, are simply looking to us to make sure that we can guarantee them that at any time their systems are up and running seamlessly with no problems and that they can simply rely on them. And this has a couple of pillars that contribute to that or that help us reach that high availability, the close to 100%. And that is that we're saying the systems themselves, so and this is the best about the same person, as Osama mentioned, or the same party and entity and company that is building the, um, the EPC project itself would be the ones responsible for maintenance. And this ensures that you're using the best equipment, the best technology that would be there for you for over the 15 or even 30 years. And after the technology also... Um, like Osama mentioned, the human part, I mean, we also always in our organization say customer services business is a people business. If you don't have the right people and the right tools that make sure that they are maintaining your high tech uh, products, then they're simply after a small amount of time, no longer usable. So 
You can imagine, Sally, that we already have the maintenance people working on this project. They're already talking to the ones responsible for the EPC project itself. And they're already making sure that they'll be crafting the, the plans or the maintenance plans best suitable to keep the system up and running for a long time. They're already even on the ground talking to the customer to understand better how it would run and to make sure that they're ready for the first installment, that it would be already maintained from its first hour on the ground. And um, I think this is also very well tied into this whole communication concept that I mentioned before about uh, key success factors. So it's a long time partnership. You have 15 years plus. So you need to make sure that the doors are always open between all the parties involved and that they're all collaboratively working towards the same goal of making sure that the systems are available and reliable. Perfect. Well said. Thank you. I'm going to go to just a couple of final questions now to wrap everything together. And so the first one I'd love to ask, perhaps to Asama first, is do you believe this project now sets a blueprint for other projects, particularly in areas like North Africa or across the continent, to transform and even leapfrog opportunity, I would say as well? I believe that Egypt has been always in the particular area of infrastructure has been leading, uh, particularly in Africa. So I think that this project will definitely be uh, copied in other parts in the continent uh, due to the fact that the only way to have better development and better economic interaction between different countries is to have better mobility. So I think this is a start of a, of a very, very long-term expansion in, in the railway network in this part of the world. Absolutely. And sorry, is that what you're seeing as well? Of course, I totally agree with Osama that this would be a blueprint for other projects. And I even think that um, the fact that Egypt is located where it is with this lovely corner um, in Africa and also very well connected to Middle East and Europe, I do see the potential of the extension of such a project. I mean, not to forget that it is connecting the East to the west of Egypt. So it's very conveniently um, open for a connection to Libya, first, for example, or any of the neighboring countries. Um, should the two following lines also be realized, then you'd have north to the south, which means you are also ready to connect to the south of the continent in a very easy way. So I do see it as a blueprint for other projects, and I do see it as a cell or as a nucleus for other projects that would be connecting all of the countries in the continent as well. Excellent. And just to add in, I also see this as a blueprint around embedding diversity, equity and inclusion as well. And kind of reimagine, if you will, that we've travelled to the future. We've looked at that timeline that Sarah was discussing earlier and we've reached that project completion point. What would you do first? And in fact, what will you do first? How will you see that enabling and improving your life at that point of project completion? Asama, if I could ask you first. Well, I think the, the first thing I will do is, is actually try the high-speed <laughs> train and see if I, if, uh, how much time would it take me from the Red Sea coast to the Mediterranean coast. I mean, this will be actually, it's a dream or a wish that a lot of Egyptians have. It's their ability to enjoy the two sides of the uh, of the seas that they have in a short period of time, because basically, uh, if you go to the Mediterranean, 
Uh, you never try to, to go to the Red Sea except maybe uh, 10 days later or something like that. So I would like to try that and see if, if I'm able to, to enjoy that. And uh, the other thing I believe is the freight part. I think that will have a great impact on, on the way business is being conducted, whether it's for uh, commerce or even for contractors like ourselves, where we have our central areas are around the Cairo area, and we have a project, let's say, towards the borders of Libya or towards the border of Sudan, and we use the freight capability uh, of that network to be able to utilize, to move our stuff from point A to point B. I mean, we're looking forward to that. Thank you for bringing it to life, Asama. And Sarah, over to you now for your view ahead of this point of completion. What will you be doing first? So confirming Osama's statement that it is every Egyptian's dream to travel between um, Red Sea and Mediterranean, I would definitely want to do that. Um, I already even have a bucket list of cities that I still want to discover and explore in, in, in our country, actually. And, um, and, and this would be for me a journey of exploring whether the cultural heritage that we have and the archaeological one that comes along with it as well, but also for leisure, because I do believe, as I mentioned at the beginning, that um, there are many gems that are for me yet to be discovered in the country. So I believe it's a journey of, of discovery that I'm planning to also take with me some of my relatives who've been keen to doing that for a long time, whether the ones um, located outside of Egypt or those there as well. Just to give you an, an anecdote on that, my 14-year-old my nephew was asking me on a daily basis whether we've signed or not, simply because he's keen on using the project as soon as it's it up and running. So um, I still have to tell him the timeline, but he'd be one of the first passengers with me also on that trip. Wonderful. Well, we've mentioned a couple of phrases here around a journey of discovery and also a country in a hurry. I think that's two things that really kind of round off our conversations today. So Osama, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your perspectives. I truly believe this is a project without peer, transformational. I think it just goes to show as well the power that mobility has to impact so many aspects of life, from employment opportunities to tourism, to education, to connection, to sustainability. I could go on, but it's really this shared value opportunity within Egypt with broader impact too. I really think a blueprint for so many different areas of impact that a lot of other countries and industry sectors will take a lot from. So thank you everyone for listening and thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, Osama. And this was the final episode of the first series of Moving Beyond. So don't forget to hit subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast platform to stay updated for news of the second series coming soon. And also don't forget to follow Siemens Mobility on all social channels to stay updated and join in the conversation. We look forward to engaging with you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.